Welcome back, everyone. It's Taylor here with the New York Gun Guys podcast. Guys, check us out. Facebook, Instagram. That's pretty much all the social media we're on. But also, (laughs) follow us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, Podbean, everywhere else that you get your podcasts from. Hello and welcome back to the show, everyone. It's been a minute, but we are here. Um, We've got a lot to talk about today, and I'm going to try and get in as much as I can because a lot has been happening here recently in New York. As everyone knows, um, (laughs) based on our last episodes, we are now living under some new gun control laws and, you know, no one really likes it except for the left. So um, some things we're going to talk about today is the opposition filed in Antinuk versus Bruin by the New York Attorney General Letitia James and basically how they use the racist history of gun control to justify their unconstitutional laws. Um, the Greene County, New York legislator also opposes the new CCIA law, which is big because they're a you know, county just basically coming out and saying, like, go fuck yourself. Um, cease and desist orders on 80% companies shipping parts to New York City. And then also we're going to talk about Kathy Hochul's new laws targeting imitation weapons. Um, that's a new law that was just signed the other day, which, you know, whatever. <laughs> just before we get into it, though, a little housekeeping. Uh, September 24th and 25th, 2022, I'm going to be back at the Long Island Hot Bog Gun Show. Last show was really, really great. A lot of people came out, said hello, took some stickers, took some patches, talked, took some pictures. It was a really great time, and um, I'm going to be back there for the weekend again, again, September 24th and 25th of 2022 at the local 25 IBEW Hall at 370 Motor Parkway, Hopog, New York. So be sure to come out, say hello, grab a patch. Last time it was really cool. I brought out my RPG to display there, and people were taking pictures with it. So I don't know. I might bring out a few more items from the collection just to get people engaged. But uh, it was a really good time. I only did one day last weekend, or last time that I was at the show that weekend because I got sick. So, um, yeah. So this time I'm going to be looking to do the whole weekend. So, first thing we're going to get into today is the opposition filed by the Attorney General in the case of Antinoch versus Bruin. So, this guy Antinoch sued the state over the new CCIA law after the Supreme Court decision came down, basically saying that New York's concealed carry restrictions regime is unconstitutional, right? So the state made this whole big thing. It was about 80 pages worth. And there's a couple of things that um, I wanted to point out. First off, without reading the whole bill to you and boring you to death, basically their claim is, number one, that this dude is a poor representation or he shouldn't be a plaintiff in this because they claim that he's an upstate resident in a county that issues concealed permits for life as opposed to downstate counties like Nassau, Suffolk, Westchester, etc. that you have to recertify every so years, so many years. So they say that this guy is in purview to the law so he shouldn't be suing. Secondly, they are, well, which is not really true because the new law that they passed, he would have to recertify and do the training or whatever. Secondly, they also say that his claims to the First Amendment and the social media check are invalid because there's been reasonable restrictions and looking into it, like through the text and history tradition aspect of it, they say that, you know, you have the right to free speech. It could be anonymous, but they're determining, quote, good moral character, which 
they kind of can't do anymore, but they reworded it and they're going to be doing it now anyway. And they said that, you know, your speech online is part of that, especially in today's day and age. Um, I'm going to read a little bit of the preliminary statement here from the response that the attorney general wrote. So basically it says, the recent mass shooting at a grocery store in Buffalo, an elementary school in Uvalde, Texas, and a parade in Highland Park, Illinois, demonstrate that gun violence continues to plague New York and our nation. To address the ongoing crisis and to comply with the dictates of the Supreme Court decision in New York State Rifle and Pistol Association v. Bruin, the state of New York enacted the Concealed Carry Improvement Act, which amended New York's existing laws related to concealing carry permits, firmly grounded each provision in centuries of law and tradition. Despite this, plaintiff special interest organizations and an individual challenge multiple key sections of the CCIA, including the requirement of, quote, good moral character for licensing, the requirement of in-person interviews for licensing, the requirement that a person list their social media accounts, the requirement that a person submit character references, all restrictions on, quote, sensitive locations, application fees and training requirements, and the provision of banning carrying of guns on private property absent permission from the uh, property owner. So, Basically, they say that the plaintiffs seek the injunction based on speculative hypotheticals and sweeping assertions that each statutory provision is unconstitutional on its face, without asserting any facts to plausibly suggest that any provision is likely to be applied in a in an unconstitutional manner, let alone that it is likely to be applied unconstitutionally to plaintiff Antonuk. So just kind of breaking down a little bit here. Um, so the requirement of good moral character for licensing. You know, the Supreme Court said that your rights aren't determined by some licensing official, or they shouldn't be, rather. Obviously, the history of the United States, back in the day, there was um, instances where you did have to basically get permission from some sort of government official to carry arms. The, the, the actual response here, written by the Attorney General, goes a lot into the history of the United States in terms of having guns on private property. Like one instance they said in Texas, it was a law back in the day where you had to grant, get permission from the property owner in order to bring firearms on. But the, the law is so old that it said private property or plantation. Hmm. You know, <laughs> this gets this is going to get into my, my next point I'm going to get into here in a little bit. But um, it also says here that uh, another point they made, it says the, requi- the requirement of in-person interviews for licensing. Again, it's subject to a government official determining if you have a constitutional right, which you do, but they're determining if you're going to be granted it in their eyes. Uh, next point here, the requirement that a person list their social media accounts. Again, I don't agree with that because basically that's like if before social media, them coming into your home and seeing what books you have or seeing what papers you carry around on you. Obviously, yeah, you make this information public when you post it on social media, but that's their job to find it. You shouldn't have to submit it. If they want to do their investigative duties and look into it, they have every right to because you put it out on the internet. But for you to open up and and give them that information, if they don't like something they see, well, they could probably deny you. The requirement that a person submit character references. You know, I see this all the time online. People say, hey, I just moved here from California for a job. I don't know anyone here. I don't have anyone here. I got to go out and meet people and do this and do this. Yeah, you should. You should meet people, talk to your neighbors, whatever. But do you think that somebody who just moved here who wants to get a firearm, that if they just meet somebody, you think that person's going to say, yeah, I know him well enough to sign him off for a character reference? No. 
So again, this whole character referencing, oh, and that has to be from the same county. So if you move to a different part of New York or whatever, you can't use somebody from a different county. They're still a resident of the state of New York. I don't, I don't get that part. You know, it's just another thing for them to say, you have to jump through this hoop for this. All restrictions on sensitive locations. That's the next point. You know, there is a, there is a tradition in history of the U.S. of banning firearms in what's deemed sensitive locations. But the problem with this bill is that it goes above and beyond that. For example, it bans it in all state parks. Okay, there's state parks where it's thousands of acres of wilderness. Like, no one's around there. It's not a sensitive area. You know, they claim courthouses and schools. Okay, yeah, you you know, I I kind of on the fence about that one too because back even when my parents were a kid, they had shooting ranges in the basements of the schools, little twenty two shooting ranges. Kids would bring their gun to school and go hunting afterwards. What it is, it's it's a band aid on a bigger societal problem that we need to ban guns and take them out of places because people aren't are now inherently irresponsible with them. When, in reality, like I've said in the past, we should really try and change society and culture in order to normalize firearms so that way they're not this taboo subject. They're not this thing that people are going to turn to when they have no other option, they feel. It's just a gun. It's not, you know, it, it, it's, it should just be part of a normal American society, in my opinion. Um, application fees and training requirements. So... In this response, I think they said 41 states have some sort of, 37 or 41 states have some sort of training requirement in order to get a, uh, a pistol license or a concealed carry. That is true. You know, I am against it, but also I see the argument from even pro-gun people saying, hey, if you want to carry a handgun out in public, you should be trained. You should have some sort of competency with it. I, I do agree with that. But at the same time, I don't think it should be government mandated. That's something that you should seek to do on your own, train on your own, and there's probably very well-qualified people that can show you that. Further on into this um, response, they talk about the history of the militia and how you had to show up for militia training on your own dime with your own equipment and your own guns and everything and how, oh, you know, back in the day, if we're using history and tradition, history, text, and tradition as the benchmark now for this, well, back in the day, you as part of the militia had to show up and muster and buy your own arms and subject them to inspection. Yeah, that was then, but also that was the military. We didn't have an army at that point. So again, without a national army, the militia was the army, right? So if you as a private individual then had to go to do that, yeah, but now we have an army. So we don't, we're not subject to those regulations now. I think if they want us, if they want to use the argument of a well-regulated militia, well then I think in New York we should start some militias then. But again, they would demonize us as right-wing terrorists and gun nuts and militias and yada yada. So you're damned if you do, you're damned if you don't. They cite history and tradition as, well, everyone in the militia had to do it. Well, how about I start a militia now then? How's that sound, uh, Letitia James? Whatever her name is, I think that's it. <laughs> um, and the provision of banning carrying of guns on private property absent permission from the property owner. Again, this is one of those things where it's like, yeah, in the past, that's how things went. They did have laws and towns. Like if you went to this old west town, you had to check your guns in with the local sheriff or whatever. But again, that was a thing about control. I think now in this day and age where we really kind of narrowed down what our rights are, it's no one's business, you know, what I have or what I do. It's a piece of property. 
you know, it's a touchy thing. I think that if people don't want guns on their property, they have to display a sign that says no firearms allowed. But the state can't just tell people with their private property, hey, we're saying that you can't allow guns on your property unless you opt into it. it it's kind of semantics at that point. But again, I think the state just went overboard on this because this before this law, there was no problem for 100 years. As they like to say, the Sullivan Act has been on the books for over 100 years, and now it's a problem? Now you change the law? It's bullshit, in my opinion. <laughs> so um, one thing I want to get into now with this um, this response that was filed was the part where basically they used the racist history of gun control in order to justify their own good moral character and permitting and all this BS. So it's on page 25 of this uh, document here. It says, New York's good moral character requirement is relatively similar to a long tradition of Anglo-American history and doctrine. <laughs> New York's good moral character requirement is consistent with the long history in both England and America of disarming those who whose associations, reputation, and conduct suggested they pose a danger to others or the public order. Quote, constitutional rights are enshrined within the scope they were understood to have when the people adopted them. That's from the Heller case. From the from time immemorial, immemorial, various jurisdictions recognizing a right to arms have nevertheless taken steps of forbidding suspect groups from having arms. That is the Second Amendment limitations and criminological considerations. I think it's um, some sort of book or, or court case here. American legislators at the time of the Bill of Rights seem to have been aware of this tradition of excluding suspect persons from the right to arms. In the period between the establishment of the colonies in America and the Revolutionary War, both the colonial governments and the monarchy from which their legal traditions originated did not hesitate to disarm persons based on finding they were potentially dangerous. From the early days of English settlement in America, the colonies sought to prevent Native American tribes from acquiring firearms, passing laws forbidding the sale and trading arms to indigenous people. <laughs> so you're... You're justifying your laws based on the history of racism in the U.S. And I'm not even saying that as like, oh, like like a leftist does saying, oh, it's racist. You're a racist. No, like that's you're, you're barring people from having guns. Uh, by the way, not for nothing. You came to this country. They were here first. And then you tell them that they can't protect themselves against you. <laughs> I always thought the Native Americans in this country got a bad got a bad deal in all this, man. And, you know, the state now justifying the history of disbarring Native Americans and other people, I don't think really helps their cause. Um, I'm just going to keep going down here. It says, The laws and liberties of Massachusetts, an act to prohibit the selling of guns, gunpowder, or other warlike stores to the Indians. It's ridiculous. Regulating the Indian trade and making it safe to the public. The statues at large of South Carolina, colonial governments also directly regulated gun ownership of individuals believed to be unfit. The Massachusetts Bay Colony, for instance, issued an order in 1637 disarming the followers of a dissident preacher named John Wheelwright because there was, quote, just cause of suspicion that they may, upon some revelation, make some sedane eruption upon those that differ from them in judgment. So basically, they're also saying that, oh, it's cool because back then we just disarmed people who followed a certain religious leader and, you know, because they might have a different point of view. 
Um, likewise, King Charles II of England passed the Militia Act of 1662, which authorized royal officials called Lord Lieutenants to, quote, search for and seize all arms in the custody or possession of any person or persons whom the said lieutenant or two or more of their deputies shall judge dangerous to the peace of the kingdom. That was from the Militia Act of 1662. Based only on a person's reputation for supposed dangerousness, as known to one English official or two of his deputies, the person could be disarmed to protect public safety. Even after the English Bill of Rights established a right of the people to arm themselves, the right was only given to Protestants based on a continued belief that Catholics were likely to engage in conduct that would harm themselves or others and upset the peace. So again... <laughs> they're basically saying that you had a right to bear arms only if you believed the, the correct re religion and only if you you were a good person in the eyes of some English king official. Again, they could just say whatever you want. Oh, he's a dangerous person. Take his guns. To me, that's bullshit, man. That's like telling Jewish people, too, you don't have a right to uh, keep and bear arms because, you know, Judaism is not mainstream, or even, you know, Islamic people, people who are Muslim, telling them, oh, because people are, because there's terrorism going on in the Middle East, you here don't have a right to keep and bear arms. That's bullshit. That's such bullshit, man. Then they go on to say, um, in the Revolutionary Era, again, this is the Attorney General basically responding to um, the court case against Bruin. The plaintiff, the plaintiff, Antonuk, Mr. Antonuk. And this is their justification for their erroneous concealed carry restrictions. So this is their justification, citing history, text, and tradition, just like the Supreme Court said. But you're not, like, you're, you're citing this bad part of history. In the Revolutionary Era, colonies frequently disarmed individuals based on their reputation for being disloyal or hostile to the new American nation. Massachusetts, for instance, had a law, quote, disarming such persons as are notoriously disaffected to the cause of America, Act of March 4, 1776. Once an individual had been deemed disaffected to the cause of America, he could often only regain his right to bear arms by appearing in person before an official to swear an oath of loyalty. So, again, they're citing a, a, a law in a historical, in a historical event it said, if you didn't like America, they take your guns, which, you know, a lot of people don't like America nowadays. Do you think that their guns should be taken away? No, I don't think so. Oh, man. So it goes on to say here, in, Pen in a Pennsylvania law passed in 1776, all white male inhabitants were required to appear, quote, before one, some one of the justices of the peace of the city or county where they shall respectively inhabit to take a prescribed oath of allegiance. And if they failed to do so, they were disarmed by the lieutenant or sub-lieutenants of the city or counties respectively. So this is their justification, basically saying, if you don't like America, we're going to take your guns. I don't get how that really bolsters their modern-day um, use of restrictions on concealed carry. Um, it goes on and on, basically saying about character judgments and the militia. Basically, like I said earlier, uh, all males 18 to 45 are required to be part of the militia and the founding of the country due to the Militia Act, which, you know, I'm, I'm all for that. They had to pay their own guns. You know, they had to get their own equipment because there was no governmental authority that was going to give them that. They had that. They just won an independence war. So they had to keep and bear arms. 
they, in another part, they said, oh, if you showed up drunk to muster, they'd take your guns. Well, obviously, <laughs> it's like showing up with a gun nowadays. You can't be drunk and have a gun on you. It's dangerous. Again, the, the attorney general really went deep into the history and tradition of racist gun control, in my opinion, on this to justify their concealed carry regime, showing good moral character, and et cetera, et cetera. You could read the bill, um, the response that's out there. I'm not going to go too much more into it, but those are a couple of points that I wanted to bring up. How the basically, yeah, we used to take guns from the Indians because, you know, that's what we did, and they weren't of good moral character. So, you know, hey, we're going to do that to you now today. <laughs> it makes no sense, in my opinion. Zero sense. Um, another thing that I want to get into right now is the law that Hochul signed, uh, basically banning realistic-looking imitation weapons. So the law here, it is, I'm just scrolling up, Senate Bill S-687, signed by the governor. It was signed uh, August, it was delivered to the governor August 5th, signed on August 16th. Um, basically, it says the title of the bill is an act to amend the general business law in relation to clarifying the definition of imitation weapon. So... I'm going to read the justification of the bill here. Justification says, while on the surface they are seemingly harmless children's products, toy guns have been responsible for an alarming number of real crimes and deaths. Since 1994, there have been at least 63 shootings in New York State as a result of imitation weapons being mistaken for real firearms, and at least eight of those shootings were fatal. Well, is it at least or is it eight? Like, how many were fatal? <laughs> at least could be six. At least could be nine. You don't know. Hundreds of crimes have been committed in New York City with toy guns. While current state law regulates the composition of imitation weapons, these products are still widely available and dangerous. This bill clarifies and strengthens the, de the definition of an imitation weapon by making it consistent with New York City administrative code. So basically they're taking all of New York City code and making it state law now. Um, section 10-131, the bill states that permissible imitation weapons must be entirely brightly colored or be constructed entirely of transparent or translucent materials, along with other identifying features. In August 2015, the Attorney General settled a lawsuit against several major online real retailers and third-party sellers, including Walmart, Kmart, Sears, and Amazon, for violating the state law regarding the sale of imitation weapons. Between 2012 and 2014, the Attorney General's investigation found that these retailers sold 6,429 prohibited toy guns to New York consumers. The retailers agreed to pay over $300,000 in fines, and moving forward, will only sell toy guns that comply with New York City's standards throughout the state. By making state law consistent with New York City's law, this bill will codify the intent of the Attorney General's settlement agreement and prevent additional future retailers from selling inconsistent imitation weapons. It will further increase the safety by minimizing cases where an imitation weapon is mistaken for a real one. So again, these, they're going after toy guns now. And yeah, if you use a gun, an imitation weapon, in face of a real one, so if you go to rob a store and you hold up a realistic looking firearm, that should be treated as a real firearm, in my opinion. But again, it's the act of doing so. You know, brightly colored guns. There was a thing back in the day where people were painting real guns brightly colored. So that way people would think it's a toy gun. That was a whole Bloomberg thing, if I remember correctly. So what is it? You want brightly colored guns? Okay, well, they're just going to paint guns brightly colored now, so that way they pretend it's a toy. I think it's... Again, she's just going on and on, just going everything, just hammering 
Anything relating to guns. She's just going on and on and on and on and hammering it. I just think it's a little unnecessary in my opinion. Just because... If you use a gun as a real gun, well, expect the consequences. A toy gun as a real gun, expect the consequences. So, that's just my opinion. I don't think you need to make laws saying that we need to ban this and ban this and ban this. How about you teach people to use some common sense, number one, not commit crimes, and number two, <laughs> oh, he pointed a toy gun at a cop and he got shot? Oh, no, it was just a toy gun. What are you doing? Well, that officer didn't know that. So, again, how about people don't commit crimes and we won't have this problem? That's, you know, kind of common sense there. Next topic. Woo! Seller of ghost gun parts will cease and desist in New York City. This is a an article from August 17th from the Courthouse News Service. Um, a North Carolina business headed off litigation on Monday by agreeing to stop letting New Yorkers buy from it to build untraceable firearms. So... Um, basically people in New York, because of our obscene and ridiculous gun laws have been, well, mostly criminals mainly, but they've been purchasing unserialized frames and receivers, polymer 80s, whatever have you, and making them into guns because the criminal element will always do criminal element shit, right? So part of this article says here, uh, the city's complaint came after undercover investigators with the New York City Sheriff's Office were able to purchase from Rockslide's website a Polymer 80 unserialized, quote, unfinished frame, slide, internal, upper parts kit, recoil, spring, guide rod, lower parts kit with trigger, and 32-round magazine, all to be delivered to an address in Manhattan. Rockslide does not require customers to have a valid state or city license or permit, and it did not perform a background check on the buyer. Well, number one, they wouldn't perform a background check because... It's not a firearm, federally speaking. Number two, any website that sells a high-capacity magazine to New York, in my opinion, is breaking the law. And I'm not going to defend Rockslide on this one because it's common knowledge that you know, there's, a new, there's a magazine restriction here in New York. So I don't know how that happened because it says that they were able to purchase and it said to be delivered. So again, did they purchase it? Was it not delivered? Was it purchased? And then it got kicked back saying, oh, you know, it's a high cap magazine. So it didn't say delivered. It said to be delivered. So again, you know, who knows? Maybe they purchased it and then an email came back later and said, hey, by the way, this isn't good to go. So we're canceling it. But I guess that was all the proof that this attorney general needed and the city needed in order to go after these websites and cease and desist. And a lot of these companies are not big companies, so they're not going to fight New York on this. They're just going to be like, well, screw it. Cut our losses. Sorry, New York. You know. But and then there's other companies. So that's Rockslide. And then there's um, a couple other companies, too, that are in this. Uh, Rainer Arms in North Auburn, Washington. Um also, Salvo Technologies also is another one here. So they're going after all these gun companies. If you're going to do that, you know it's illegal. You're breaking the law. And while it might not be a just law, until that law is overturned, challenged, whatever, it's just common knowledge that you can't do that shit here. Other parts of the country, yeah, no problem. Build your own gun. Have a handgun. Whatever. Keep it in your truck. Not a big deal. I just don't I just don't get honestly how New York can have so much sway over the rest of the country. 
This one the attorney general says it sends a cease and desist to a company in another state. Well, why can't that company just say, you know, hey, go screw? Like, what are you going to do? Bring a lawsuit against them? Like, New York State did sign that that law in recently where it made it, you know, able to sue gun manufacturers. Maybe that has something to do with it. I don't know. There's been a lot of laws coming out lately, and it's just been kind of hard to keep track of them all, honestly. But this is now what New York is doing. They're going after online retailers. So if you are a person who orders things online, parts, etc., you know, think twice about it. And I'm not saying not to, but companies like, for example, Optics Planet does not ship parts for ARs to New York. They won't ship uppers. They won't ship barrels. It's like, you know, you could build one here compliant, but they just choose not to do that. So, you know, there's, there's, there's places where you can get these parts and whatever, but, you know, follow the law because it's only going to bolster their argument for passing these laws. But what we really have to do is comply with the laws right now, but challenge it like Mr. Antonuk is doing, like New York State Rifle and Pistol Association is doing. Challenge these laws. Sue them. And I know it takes money. Donate to these causes. Even if it's 10 bucks, 5 bucks. If enough people do it, they'll have enough money to do so. Um, next thing I want to talk about is Green County, New York. Um, this was pretty cool. I really like this. It's Green County, New York resolution, resolution 267-22. It's a resolution opposing recently enacted New York state Senate bill S51001 and New York state assembly bill A41001 regulating legally authorized concealed carry gun permits and banning concealed carry in places in public as being an unconstitutional attack upon the rights of law abiding citizens. Basically, the, the, the clerk of the legislature just basically fucking roasted the state and basically they, they don't agree with any of this. I, I could read the whole page here, but they just... One here, one is says, whereas this legislation is the result of knee-jerk, unvetted, and political reaction to the recent Supreme Court decision, New York State Rifle and Pistol Association versus Bruin, and was serotipously rushed through the legislature without public discussion, input, or knowledge, which it was. This thing was rammed through in the course of a day. It was introduced. It wasn't even introduced on time. They had to wait and come back the next day or later. It was just rammed through. And this county is taking a stand and said, you know what? Enough is enough. We disagree with this. Obviously, they can't do anything about it. But if enough law enforcement and counties in this state do something about it, stand up, tell the governor she's wrong, tell their elected officials that they're wrong in this. Before this law, it wasn't a problem. Now, all of a sudden, it is. Before this law, you didn't need training. Now you do. Before this law, you didn't have to submit social media. Now you do. It's it's just a, like this uh, county said, it's a political knee-jerk reaction. No one was privy to. Public couldn't decide on it. They couldn't put in for a vote. And unfortunately, the Democrats in this country, in the state, well, and also in this country, but in the state, have a control. And they're going to use it to push their agenda. Just like, for example, going a little off topic here, but the Inflation Reduction Act <laughs> has nothing to do with in, in, reducing fucking inflation. It's, it's a climate change bill. Also hiring 80,000 IRS employees. Now, some people say agents. I, I know the IRS has, oops, sorry. I know the IRS has their own investigatory service, their own federal kind of like law enforcement type uh, agents. Um, I do know that, but... That's double. That's more than double of what's currently employed by the IRS right now. Why? Why is the IRS getting all these fucking agents? 
or employees, agents, whatever. I don't know. But the Inflation Reduction Act is nothing more than a climate change bill under the guise of the inflation, quote, uh, scheme. So that way they could say Joe Biden signed the Inflation Reduction Act to help the American consumer. It doesn't help. They say it's going to be paid for, I believe, by a corporate tax of 15% on uh, corporations. Corporations aren't already paying their fucking taxes now or they're they're moving shit offshore. They're doing this, they're doing that. What makes you think they're going to pay this shit? They're not. It's just another reason for government to spend more money, further raise the inflation, devalue the American dollar, and hurt the American people. God damn. I, I, went, <laughs> I went and got a cup of coffee this morning from fucking 7-Eleven. It was like two thirty-eight. I think it was. It's a medium coffee. I think it was two dollars and thirty-eight cents. When I was in high school, and that was uh, that was two thousand eight, roughly. I graduated um, graduated high school. A cup of coffee was like a dollar and change. And I know I'm bitching about the cost of things going up, the cost of labor, and everything. But I fear that by the time my son is my age, it's going to be like fucking Venezuela, where the money is going to be worthless. You're going to need barrels of it to purchase shit. Or it's just going to be completely electronic and no one will realize. When you have a lot of cash in your hand, it makes you realize the value of something. If you have $10,000 in your hand, that's $10,000. It's not a number on a screen. That's $10,000. $10,000 used to be able to buy you a lot. I think my dad said he bought his first house in the 80s on Long Island. It was like $50,000. It was a nice house. It was a house I grew up in. It was a big house in, in um, Nassau County, and he paid $50,000 for it. He had to put half down, and his mortgage was at a 10%, I think he said. But that was $50,000 back in the 80s. That was a lot of money, man. But still, it was attainable. For a guy working as an as a, as a auto mechanic, it was attainable to have a nice house in a nice neighborhood. Now, forget it. Forget it. So that little tangent about the Inflation Reduction Act... Um, basically rammed through also now this kind of gets into gun control here my my thoughts and opinions it was passed out of house and then it passed the senate narrowly passed the senate with kamala harris being the tie-breaking vote recently that new gun control legislation was passed by the house and people saying oh it's not going to pass the senate don't worry it's not going to pass the senate well this shit just did obviously gun control i think is more important but again it just goes to show you that it could pass the Senate, and that's the scary part. And then we'll have federal New York-style gun control legislation throughout the whole country. And, you know, we're kind of beaten down and battered here in New York, New York and we're just used to it. But there's a lot of parts of the country that are going to be like, go fuck yourself, basically. <laughs> um, they're going to be like, you know, I hope they get sued. I hope everyone gets sued who does this shit, man. I really do. I just don't agree with it. I really don't. And I'm sure that pretty much everyone here listening to it does not agree with it also. Um, we, we're a few weeks away now for the enactment or the start of the enforcement of the semi-auto rifle purchase um, document or purchase permit requirement. A while ago, I did some research and I found out from the state police that basically it's going to be a, an amendment that's added onto pistol permits. So if you have a pistol permit, you have to go down, I think starting September 5th. There's nothing, I think, officially released on it yet, but this was from somebody I spoke to at the state police um, about it. They said starting September 5th, you could go to your local pistol licensing agency and request an amendment to be put on your pistol permit, and that will allow you to um, purchase semi-automatic rifles. They will not be put on your card like pistols are. It's just show it and purchase it, basically, 
which is which is dumb because what does it really do? But if you apply, if you don't have a pistol permit, you have to apply for this rifle permit. The uh, officer, it was a sergeant I believe I spoke with, said that basically if you're going to be applying for this rifle permit, you might as well apply for your pistol permit because it's the same process. So it's going to be the same process. It's going to take years. And if you don't have a permit already, you're going to be waiting years possibly for to buy a 1022. In a state like Texas, it's easier to buy a machine gun than it will be to buy a semi-automatic rifle in the state of New York. Isn't that some crazy shit? It'll be easier to buy a full auto M16 in Texas, if you have the money, of course, than it will be to purchase a Ruger 1022 in the state of New York. <laughs> and these are the laws that these, quote, elected officials want us to comply with. Listen, I don't think AR lowers are going to be subject to this new law because technically it's not a semi-automatic rifle. It is just a firearm. Um, I was in a gun shop the other day and I asked the guy if they're still selling lowers and he said yes. Um, so, you know, hey, go out and buy some lowers and because uh, possession of a semi-automatic rifle does not require a permit, only purchase does. So I have a feeling that <laughs> they're going to be booming with AR sales. I think I saw an advertisement from Darkstorm Industries uh, the other day where it's buy three lowers, get one free. So, I mean, they're fucking cranking them out, man. And it's gonna it's selling so many guns. I know people personally who went out and bought another gun just because they're like, well, I might as well buy one now before this before this enactment. Um, a, good, a good friend of mine and a co-worker a while ago bought one gun, and then he said to me the other day, hey, I got another one before this law came in. I'm like, good, as you should. I think that it's only, it's only going to cause more jamming up of people if they go to apply for this you know like i said if you don't have a permit you go to apply for this it's more requirements it's more headache it's more time it's more money and the flooding of people that's going to apply for this permit now they these licensing offices can't even keep up now with what they have now so do you think it's really gonna smooth things over or make things easier no a lot of businesses are going to be hurt. I was talking with somebody who lives in upstate New York, and he said that at the beginning of September, this local shop to him is going to be closing because they're like, we can't deal with this shit anymore. We can't make a profit. We're not going to be selling guns. It's They're going to be closing up. And he was very upset by that. He was very disappointed. And, you know, I am too. A lot of good stores, uh, a lot of good local shops that have to deal with the BS are going to be hurting. The shop that I frequent, uh, South Shore Sportsman in Merrick, great place. They you know, they're a local store, and I have a feeling, too, that when I went in there the other day, a lot of bolt-action guns, a lot of lever-action guns. There wasn't that many semi-autos on the wall because they saw the writing on the wall. They they knew what's they knew what's going on. They have to stay in business, so they're going to be selling a lot more bolt-actions and lever-actions. It was actually really good. I'm just going to kind of anecdote, side note here. Uh, a young girl came in. I mean, maybe she was in her 20s or early 20s, it looked like. And she said her boyfriend um, recommended her to go there and, and buy a shotgun. She wanted a nine a Mossberg 930 um, SPX, semi-automatic shotgun. I'm like, whoa, that's a that's a nice gun. So she was looking at it, and the guy was showing her the difference between the pistol grip model and the non-pistol grip model. And um, basically he said, hey, you know, um, she was saying, oh, she lived out in Suffolk County, but she came here. And the guy was like, well, we have another store in Suffolk County. If you buy the gun there... Um, we have a range there, and it comes with a free 15-minute lesson on how to use the gun. I'm like, oh, that's that's really good. That's great service, in my opinion, honestly. 
And I know a long time ago we did an episode on gun shop assholes, which a lot of people really liked. A lot of people really liked that episode. But, you know, I have my go-to places, but that's just like the kind of local gun shop customer service that you get that now is going to be struggling because they have to comply with these laws. Um, I saw they had Mossberg shockwaves and Mossberg and TAC-14s on the wall set for law enforcement only because now it's a felony to own one. If you have a Mossberg Shockwave or a Remington TAC-14 type firearm, it is now a felony in New York to own them. No grandfathering, no this, this, or this. It is a felony to own them. Now, I did my own investigation because I see online, especially on Reddit, there's a lot of people say, oh, what do I do? What do I do? Oh, don't tell anyone. Don't do this. Don't do this. So I did some digging. I called. <laughs> I actually reached out to the, the state police, and they said it is a felony to own one, and if you have one, it must be... Um, turned in, sold, whatever, you know, to a dealer, turned in, whatever. Okay. A lot of people are not going to do that. So I actually called the ATF. Funny enough, I called the local ATF, Long Island branch, and I asked them a question. Hey, if a firearm, if, if this gun, this type of gun is sold as a firearm, can it be turned into a shotgun by adding a stock and a barrel? So that way it's now compliant with the state laws. And the guy's like, you know what? Let me look into this. I'll give you a call back. Gave me a call back, and he said, while adding a stock and a barrel does not change the classification of the gun, so it's not just going to become a shotgun and still be a firearm, it will be compliant with state law. So I know for the Remington TAC-14, if you happen to have one out there, you could drop a regular 870 barrel on it and a stock, and now it will not be purview to the state law about, fire, about quote, other firearms because it has a longer barrel and it has a stock now um i'm not sure about the mossberg i know the mossberg is kind of like a proprietary thing i'm not sure about the barrels um but you know again if you could find one or find somebody to modify it or weld something on the barrels so it increases the length and then add a stock you'll be all right and again some people on reddit are like internet commandos and they're like oh don't comply fuck them don't tell them what you have it's like well for some people it's, it's a decision of, you know, do I want to get jammed up with a felony for something that I legally once owned? Is it worth it? A lot of people say no. The difference in barrel length between 14 inches and 18 and a half isn't that big of a deal. And some people are like, you know what? I don't want to, I don't want to get screwed over in this. They're fucking me over as it is already. And I'm, I, can't, I can't deal with breaking the law. And I don't advocate people breaking the law. But again, you know, you have to try and find your own way to deal with it. So that's what I did. I, I don't own any of them personally, just to, just a disclaimer, but I see a lot of things online on Reddit, on Facebook about, well, what do I do? What do I do? The, you know, these lawmakers should have put a grandfather clause in because basically it's a takings by the government. It's a takings because it was once legally owned, you bought it, it's fine. And then now they they say it's illegal. So it's a takings clause, just like we discussed in the um, that Suffolk County court case where Jerry's was involved with the CT-24 other type firearm with Amy Bellantoni, really great attorney. She said, basically, by making these illegal, you're taking them from my clients because they can't use them. They can't do anything with them. That's what's happening now with this. Um, there's a lot of laws and stuff being passed now in New York. A lot of things are going to go into effect in September, like the ammunition background check law, which basically creates a statewide registry of people who purchase ammunition. But hey, if you're on a vacation anywhere, Pennsylvania, New Hampshire, Vermont, feel free to pick up some ammo while you're there, which again, is only going to hurt the local businesses here that sell ammo because people don't want to be in a fucking registry just to buy 22. 
It's ridiculous. They, they shouldn't have to go through a background check just to buy a box of 22. It's asinine. Criminals are using firearms at a higher rate now, I feel, than really ever before, especially in New York. And unfortunately, you have people who get, a, they get, you know, arrested, caught with an illegal firearm, and then let out. How about you stiffen penalties for use of illegal firearms in crimes and actually prosecute people? Again, that's such a novel fucking concept, I know, but these people don't want to do that. They'd rather push a narrative and push an agenda and infringe on our rights as people in the state of New York. Again, there's a lot going on, everyone, and I thank you for really listening. Um, This response by the Attorney General is founded in racism and, you know, all the shit that people complain about the history of America for slavery, mistreatment of indigenous people, you know, women's rights, et cetera, et cetera, like now they're using as a justification for their permitting and good moral character system, which is ridiculous. Also, don't get caught with a Nerf gun. (laughs) I think Nerf guns are okay, but they just have to be brightly colored and display a logo. But again, it's just a useless fucking law. Because if you use a gun or anything that looks like a gun in the commission of a crime, it should be treated as such or will be treated as such. That's just my opinion. But guys, Thanks for listening. Hope you all doing all right out there. Um, like I said, next month, don't forget, September 24th and 25th, the Hop Hog Gun Show at the IBEW Hall on Motor Parkway. Come check us out. I think I still have some stickers left from the last time. Going to be giving out free stickers saying hello. You can come by, shake a hand, take a picture with an RPG. <laughs> Do whatever you please. Um, support free and independent media. No censorship, no BS. Everyone, thanks for listening, and stay safe out there.